he was playing that part of Super Mario Brothers where the the guy goes underground and then he he hits some bricks and he jumps up and you know along the top of the screen there's the score and the timer and whatnot. Well, you know, he, he my friend's like, watch this, and he breaks a few bricks. Yeah, Mario jumps up with a timer and he's running along with a score, and my mind was just blown, like just like anything's possible if you can imagine it it can happen welcome to the medical dads podcast a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors i'm one of your co-hosts dr Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from ottawa ontario i want to be in the podcast daddy do you know what you're doing can i play a game on your computer daddy What's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. Daddy! Daddy, where are you? All right, Dr. Harmon, we're back for another episode of Medical Dads. Yeah, yeah, we are. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. I've been cooped up for a long time in my house and going kind of nuts. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something more like, I'm as good as Mario on mushrooms or something like that. <laughs> so we've done a couple episodes on outdoor play. So we thought we would switch this up and move indoors to where the real excitement is and talk about indoor play. <laughs> to where people have actually been spending their time for the last few months. <laughs> right. After you've heard our whole outdoor thing about how evil sunlight is, you have no recourse but to go back into your house and stay in there permanently during the rest of the coronavirus summer. I don't think people will have heard that episode by the time they hear this one, if they're lucky. <laughs> so we're going to be talking today about video games, which is a topic that's really near and dear to both of our hearts because both of us grew up with video games. And I think most people that are listening to this show probably grew up in some way shape or form with video games involved in their life in some way yeah that's fair to say i mean if you have kids or are at the age to be listening to a podcast about kids then that means you would have grown up in uh you know possibly the time of atari uh likely the time of nintendo uh or you know super nintendo nintendo 64 uh playstation <laughs> uh, we could go on and on <laughs> So, but I think it's, I think there is some elements of video gaming that ha have a lot to do with how we parent now, right? Because now we're, it's 2020 and we have children and the world of video games is complicated, right? It's not as straightforward as it was when we were growing up, right? When we were growing up, our parents would be like, okay, do we buy this system for our kid or not? And then each time if they want a game, here's another $40 for a game, right? Now it's like there's online games, there's multiplayer games, there's like creeps online that you could meet. There's like the graphics in these games are like super hyper realistic. I mean, there's medical conditions tied to gaming. There's like video gaming addiction is now a thing. Like it's difficult it's diff difficult to be a parent in 2020 when it comes to this topic. It's not as straightforward as when we were children, I think. At least that's the way we perceive it now as adults. <laughs> when as children we were like, I don't know what our parents are worried about. This is fine. Well, I think the whole thing is very different now. And like you said, video games are, you know, if we're using the broad definition of video games, um you know, if your kid has a cell phone, then they have access to video games 24-7 because mm. it's in their pocket all the time. <laughs> right. So let's start off with, I'm going to talk a little bit about my own background with video games. Okay. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so I grew up in this household where my parents were pretty anal about like how to spend money, right? <laughs> so getting a getting a Nintendo or like even a computer, this wasn't high on their agenda, yeah. right? So we just didn't have these items for many years. So I remember like being fascinated by computers, right? Like in grade two and grade three. And, you know, I'd be using the computer in the classroom. And so the thing is that I wanted a computer more than anything, yeah. right? Um, I don't know if that's just like the Asian stereotypical nerd coming out right away, right? Like, <laughs> and in grade five, I went back to Taiwan for the summer with my dad. Yeah. And my dad had a younger brother, my uncle, who passed away now, but this was like the coolest uncle you could ever have. You know how there's always in a family, there's this one uncle who you just connect with, right? So he comes up to me, I arrive in Taiwan, I'm in grade five. He's like, so uh, I'm gonna get you a gift. Like, uh, what do you want? And I'm like, oh, oh, I want a computer. I want a computer. He's like, computer? You mean a video game system, right? That's what you want. I was like, what? That's a, you can ask for that, right? I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. If you're offering that, that's fine. So then like, sure enough, like the next day he comes home from work, he's got this bag and inside it is the family computer. Like if for those people who don't know, this is like the Nintendo equivalent uh, in Asia. So it, when Nintendo came out in Asia, it wasn't sold in the same packaging with the same cartridges that they sold in North America. It was, it was called like the Super Famicom, right? Uh, or the, it was called the Famicom, the family computer Famicom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true, true. Super Famicom was the later version. Right. So it was the Famicom. It was like this white and red thing. And it comes with the two controllers. And the cartridges are half the size of a regular Nintendo cartridge that are from North America. So it never made sense to me why a Nintendo cartridge in North America was so big. Because the game is the same, right? But the thing is, he didn't, he didn't get me the true Famicom, right? So eventually, I brought this system back, right, to Toronto. Uh -huh. And I brought back with a few games. But the one he got me was like purple and maroon. <laughs> but everyone else had this white and red thing, right? You had the Flamacom. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, so this was like, like, I don't know. This probably happened in like, what, 1991 or something, right? So, like, this is the peak of piracy in Asia. Like, piracy is just running around unfettered, right? Like, people are making knockoff everything yeah. and just slap made in Taiwan in it, right? So, like, I, like faked in Taiwan is, like, what, what the whole thing was, right? So, I had this, like, Super Famicom fake. I bring it back and and then he took me shopping. So I bought four games, okay. right? These are the four most memorable games of my life. There's Green Beret, which I'm sure nobody's ever heard of. Adventure Island, which I think some people have heard of because that got made into a game in, I think, for Sega in North America. Okay. And uh, Rockman. So the original Mega Man okay, yeah. part one, which was also named Rockman. And... Oh, I can't remember what the fourth game is. Oh, Mock Rider. <laughs> Mock Rider. It was this motorcycle game, okay. right? So I had these four games. I plug in a game once I arrive in Canada, and the sound doesn't work. I'm like, what? <laughs> There's no music, right? So, so then, like, I was like, like this happens up until today, to this day, 2020. If my device is not working after five seconds, I start hitting it like bang, bang, right? And then if you banged it just right, da -da 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 -da, like the music would start and you could start playing with music. But then if you didn't play for a few days, then the music would be gone again. And eventually, just like an elderly person losing their hearing, eventually the music just stopped altogether. You couldn't knock it back on again, right? Oh, See, whereas most people who grew up with Nintendo 
have this thing about how you had to blow into the cartridge or people believed if you blew into the cartridge, it would make the game work better. Uh, but you guys with the Flamacom were at a whole other level where you actually had to damage the machine and pound on it. <laughs> and the thing is, so at that time, I'm, like, I'm, in, I'm in grade five. I got this weird video game system where the cartridges don't, aren't the same as the cartridges you can buy here. Yeah. I didn't realize it, but my uncle had effectively created this system where I could never get another new game. Oh, right? Right. Like I was stuck. I was stuck with these four games. I'm like, where am I going to get another game? Right? And it wasn't until years later that I found that, you know, some people we knew told us you go to the Chinese mall and there's people like bringing illegal games into Canada, right? You can buy them tax free. This is all way later. By, at that point, who wanted these things anymore, right? Yeah. At the time, I was just stuck with this thing. I had four games forever. Right? Oh, it was terrible. Oh, and this is what started your lifelong love of video games. <laughs> well, that the part of the thing is the, the more the parents try to patrol your ability to play these games, the more you want to play games, right? So like, there was a significant amount of my childhood spent just wanting to play games, but I couldn't because I didn't have any games. I only had these four games, right? Like, I don't know if you remember, but we used to get this magazine. It's not even a magazine. It's actually a catalog called the Consumer's Catalog. Oh, yes, the Consumer's Catalog. I, I used to love yes. that thing. This is like a true piece of Canadiana, right? Like, I think people outside Canada have no idea what we're talking about. But they would mail you a catalog like once or twice a year of all the things that they're selling, yeah. right? And we're like in grade three or grade five or grade seven. And at that point, we don't we don't read video game magazines, right? The only place where we can see what games exist is in on the last two pages of the consumer's catalog, right? So you can see them selling the system and the accessories and then for each game there's like this little box right yeah. like they just show a picture of the box and we're studying that thing trying to figure out if we ever had money what games would we buy right like this is an endless conversation oh man yeah no the consumers catalog brings back so many memories because this was a thick catalog <laughs> this thing was huge um, right right and when you would go to like yeah for for people who aren't familiar with the company uh it was sort of like a store but when you went into the store they didn't have everything on display. You would read what you want in the catalog, then you would go in the store, and then they could physically give it to you from their storage room in the back. Or if they didn't have right. it in stock, you could order it. it. It sounds either like a really bad idea, or it's like Amazon before the internet, yeah. right? It's either absolutely brilliant, or it's terrible. <laughs> it was a lot like Amazon before the internet. And uh, you know, this was at a time period where you didn't have Toys R Us the way you have it now where now mm. kids might get the Toys R Us catalog, at least in Canada. I know in the States, Toys R Us has gone out of business, but in Canada, it's still a popular company. Anyway, kids would get the Toys R Us catalog now and maybe flip through it. But back in those days, the consumer's catalog, you would, they had a very thick section for the toys, and that's what kids would flip through when they're doing their Christmas wish list and whatnot. Yes, yes. <laughs> so many hours spent pouring over that catalog. Yeah, I used to deliver, you know, Penny Saver, you know, these... Uh, flyers door to door. That was my part time right. job when I was 12. Anyway, I used to love it when we got the consumer's catalog because this thing was thick and bound in plastic and you didn't have to walk up the driveway to deliver it. You could throw it like a Frisbee and the thing would fly <laughs> far and it would fly with force. It would fly with accuracy and you could like land that right on the doorstep or at least in the potted plant next to the doorstep. Oh, so many memories. So that's that was my thing. That's how I got started into video games, right? Yeah. And I did actually... The, the thing about it is that I never really became a, a serious gamer, like for various reasons that we can get into <laughs> over this hour. But 
probably partly because of this. I just didn't have access to games at the beginning, yeah. right? So I was never just, I like one of the things about video games, you got to play a lot to get good at them, just yeah. like anything else, yeah. right? So I was always a terrible gamer, right? Like there were, one of my best friends and I, we would play like Double Dragon together. Oh, yeah. And he would he would be the guy killing like eighty percent of the criminals on the screen, and I'd be in there like using up all the lives. Like, oh, sorry, I just used up another continue, right? But then when you beat the game with him, you're like, oh yeah, we beat the game, yeah, we beat the game. That was me. Sounds a lot like playing video game with our kids. <laughs> oh. oh, absolutely. But yeah, I think so much of why you'd have people our age who are still trying to find justification for playing video games with their kids. Um, you know, people would say, "Bob, oh, but all these things about screen time and whatever, why, why are we even having this conversation? It's because we have such pleasant memories and nostalgia from video games from when we were young. That's what, that's what drives us to, to keep pushing this forward to another generation. <laughs> when I think back to video games, like my introduction mm -hmm. to video games, I think a bit further back than what you're describing, grade, grade three to six. I think like back when I was in kindergarten, we'd go, we'd go to the mall <laughs> And at the mall, they would always have one or two uh, arcade machines set up. And true, true. <laughs> you know, those machines, uh, and this ties even into how video games are designed now with the games that are on people's phones. But those games you'd see in the mall, they were just designed to tap into the psyche of, of people, but specifically children, uh, and just mesmerize us. So, you know, you'd go and you'd see this cabinet with like, these, all these flashing lights and these cool sounds and music. And you'd look and there'd be like other <laughs> Pac-Man or a, there was a Popeye video game. I remember that was at the, at the, at the mall. Mm. And my parents would never give me like 25 cents to play one of these games. Like that, 25 <laughs> cents is a lot of money. Maybe we'd get like, like a maximum of five cents for a gumball machine. But, uh, right. but still, as a kid, we would love, like, four-year-old me would just go and grab the stick and the controller on the thing <laughs> and just move it around, and, and I, would, I would pretend that I'm playing the game. My mom would say, it's time to go. I'm like, oh, but I'm pretending I'm winning. <laughs> so that, that's what it started as. Um, yes. What, when you're playing the game and it's flashing the words, insert coin, insert coin, right. insert coin at you. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I could maybe remember a handful of times and, like, really special occasions, like... Uh, uh, airports in the in those days, every major airport had a video arcade within the airport. You know that mm. that's that's unheard of now. It'd be like, what would you need that for? But back then, that was a big thing. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I could think of a handful of times where I actually got to play Pac-Man uh, in a in an actual arcade. Um, but then you know, fast forward a little bit, and then when you could uh, have the, a console at home, well, the first common console at home for people my age was the Atari. That was the, the, the Atari 2600 was the common console that people had at home. Yes, the black thing with those like big joysticks. That's right. That was like a console, like so indicative of its era. Part of it was made of wood, <laughs> like had wood paneling and that was stylish. Yeah, it's, it camouflages the console if you ever carry it around in your station wagon. That's right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, back when uh, a fusion of organics and metal seemed futuristic. <laughs> Yeah, so this this thing, um, and this will tie into a little bit of my whole philosophy on video games, but when I was a kid, I didn't own an Atari, but my dad had an Atari. So this wasn't a console that sat out there all the time where you just sort of take it for granted. This was when my dad was in the mood and decided it was time. Okay, this evening, he's taken out the Atari, and he sets it up, and he plays a little bit, and then gives you a turn, and then plays a bit, and then gives you a turn. And usually what he would do is, like, 
he'd get to a point where he'd be like, you'd be saying, okay, it's my turn. You died. He's like, oh, no, no, just one more. And then he, like, <laughs> he dies. Like, oh, just one more. And then you guys can have it. So he'd play a few turns in a row and then he'd leave and then he'd go to bed and then he'd sort of leave the thing out. Uh, and then the next day you'd come down and it's packed up and put away until the next time it's taken out. <laughs> so that made this thing very special and, uh, and like uh, mythical almost for us when we were, when I was like a small kid. So interesting, yeah, that was the first introduction to video games. Nintendo came along a little bit later. Um, mm -hmm. And similar to yourself, I grew up in a situation where it was always, you know, we don't really have the money for this. And having a Nintendo seemed like quite an extravagance. Anything that was cool and hip and fashionable, if it came to me, it would always come like two years after it was out of style and not, not fashionable. <laughs> but I remember being at somebody's house and they were, had the game Super Mario Brothers. And, uh, you know, I'm watching them play and I'm saying like, oh, this is not too dissimilar from the Atari that I have at home. <laughs> you know, the graphics are way better. Like the, the images look way better. But then he was playing that part of Super Mario Brothers where the, the guy goes underground and then he, he hits some bricks and he jumps up. And, you know, along the top of the screen, there's the score and the timer and whatnot. Well, right. you know, he, he, my friend's like, watch this. And he breaks a few bricks. The secret. Yeah. Mario <laughs> jumps up with a timer and he's running along with a score. And my mind was just blown. <laughs> like, just like anything's possible. If you can imagine it, it can happen. You know, like Pac-Man could never just jump in and start eating the score in the games that I played. But this thing blew my mind. I had to have one of these things. I went home and it was like, you know, took all of three seconds to convince my younger brother that like, oh, we, 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 there's this thing. We need to have one of these. And like begging and pleading. And uh, my dad actually worked something out where it was like, if we work in the garden, like in the backyard for him all summer, then at the end we would get a Nintendo. <laughs> and uh and yeah like we like all summer long like digging out weeds beating turfs i'll explain what that is some other time uh carrying <laughs> bricks around shoveling stones anyway we eventually got uh, this nintendo and i even remember like a few days before we got it having like a nightmare that my dad would not know anything about like what's the difference between one video game system and another and he'd come home with a sega uh, but, but then he actually really came through for us. We had a Nintendo, and he got the uh, the action system that came with like uh, all these like the light with gun, the gun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I was just like on cloud nine, like I've got one of these things. At the same time, other people have one while it's still cool, and now I can trade games and I can talk to my friends about the games and not have to pretend like I know what's going on. Anyway, that's probably one of the longest rants I've ever done on the show, but it just shows the excitement and the, uh, and the enthusiasm after games when I was a kid. See, I missed out on all this. I did, so, so, like, I did not get to play any of these games. I was always watching my buddies. They had Nintendos, yeah. some, some of them, not all of them. I had the, some, some of my buddies were kind of like my parents. Yeah. And, but some of them had the newest games. So then they, you know, we'd go to their house and... I just watch them play. I just be sitting there watching the whole time, right? Because if I participate, they throw the throw me a bone and let me play. I'd be dead in two seconds, and then they're back to playing again, right? And that would there's a significant amount of my childhood spent watching other people play games. So I, I'm a little bit resentful of it now that we're actually talking about. It. I never really thought about this until now. Well, you know, it's one of those things, especially back in those days. It was a real thing for parents to always sort of make out that you don't have to follow what everybody else is doing. Uh, you don't have to have the 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 same thing as everybody else, but Gosh, having a Nintendo and being part of what that was back in the heyday of Nintendo, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, that really made you a part of a bit of a cultural phenomenon <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> nowadays 
you'll see something like a, a, a picture of Mario in a, in a modern art museum. Uh, and it <laughs> resonates with you. It means something to you if you were part of that back in the day. So what ended up happening with me is because I couldn't get any actual games on my system and there's no way my parents were going to shell out for a game. I continued nagging for like a computer, yeah. right? So at some point, one of my mom's brother, so the other side of the family, I have, a, I have another cool uncle. He was a computer science professor. So his thing was like, everyone's got to learn computers because computers are the way of the future. So at some point he came to visit us and brought me like his old computer. So this is like an old, like we, we call it an XT. You know, in the old days, they would name like a computer, like you had Pentiums. You're, people remember what Pentium yeah, is, right? Chip inside a computer. Yeah. yeah. But before Pentium was the 586, okay. right? But before Pentium, it was 486, 386, 286. If you go all the way before 286, <laughs> there was a kind of computer called the 8088, right? That was also called the XT. This is the my original computer. It was like this this crazy, big, loud computer with like, a screen that only did orange and black. Yeah. Right? Well, I, yeah. And then because I had no other way to play computer games, I just had this XT. Yeah. I started like copying games from it. I became like a game hoarding fanatic. Like I'd just be buying these blank discs. You know, in those old days, those floppy discs, yeah. you'd be buy a blank disc, go to your friend's house for the afternoon and just sit there copying games, right? It would take like, it would take like 20 minutes to copy one game from one five and a quarter disc to another five and a quarter disc. Yeah. And half the time the game wouldn't work by the time you got home because you folded the disc wrong or something or there's a nick on the disc, yeah. right? But that was that, that was how I started playing games for real. Like I started like, I guess between the collective uh, illegal game trade of our like sixth grade class or fifth grade class in those years, yeah. we were able to amass a lot of games, yeah. right? And that's how I got into it and started playing like sports games and various other things. But the gaming system was the one thing that was always missing in that puzzle for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, computer games, games on a computer is almost a whole other, whole other topic. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I definitely remember that I had a Nintendo first and then later, when I really wanted a computer, because I, I was imagining all the other things besides games, all the all the you know all the movies that led me to believe that once I had a computer, I could I could hack into the school's grade system, uh, you know, <laughs> give myself all A pluses or or do whatever else. Anyway, we, I want a computer. I eventually got a real computer, and yeah, mm -hmm. that uh, the whole thing about games on floppy disks that you get uh, your friends kind of copy a game for you, <laughs> and then it's got all these bugs in it. Uh, you actually learn a lot about how computers work. By those old exactly. games. You know. <laughs> yeah. So like sometimes I meet parents who are like worried that their children will not know how to use computers. There's nothing to worry about. Every child automatically will figure out how to use these things. You have to, you have to block them from learning how to use computers is, the, is my approach to parenting now. <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, this has been super fun for me just talking about like the sort of memories of video games. But we should really move on to... Uh, video games and parenting now and how we feel about video games for our kids so, now so i'll dive in and strike the first blow okay i am really against video games for kids i don't know why i think that's just some that's just how it's evolved yeah. like i i feel like when i look back on my childhood in like broadly speaking yeah. i feel like the video games were a waste of time right like i feel like it was fun yeah but 
I spent a lot of brain space thinking about video games. Like I, I remember walking home. I, I may have told this story at some point. Walking home from school. Like this is a long walk. I get off the bus and walk all the way home. And the whole time in my mind, I'm like doing a commentary about the basketball game that I'm about to play on my computer yeah. for the 25,000th time, right? Like it's, it's Jordan against Bird again, right? And, and what's going to happen and what's the coach's strategy? It's going to be a little different today compared to yesterday, right? Yeah. And I would come home and boot up the computer and play for an hour every day and various games. And, th and those, at the end of the day, it's like, I didn't, I could have, I could have won a Nobel prize. I think if I actually applied myself to something important, right. <laughs> or at least like, I don't know, done something. Right. So I always look at it and be like, wow, that was a monumental waste of time. Right. So strike one was my own feeling that I could have done more with my life if I hadn't played so much game. Second thing that happened was I went to college. Okay. So I went to college and suddenly I'm surrounded by these other Asian American dudes, same age as me, yeah. who are even more into games than me, right? To the point of absurdity, right? Yeah. So like I went to college and I bought a computer to do homework. These guys lug their PlayStations to college yeah. and suddenly parents are nowhere to be seen. Games are being played up until like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. I mean, I got caught up into it. And I remember, I think I was in second or third year of college, yeah. I couldn't go to bed unless I played another round of NBA Live. So the last game would start at like 1.30 in the morning, right? <laughs> Me against the computer, right? Got to get that last game in. I got lecture at 8 a.m., yeah. but it doesn't matter because we got to play it out, <laughs> right? Like forget sleep hygiene. Like this was just the lifestyle, right? So then I, and I, and I saw like, I, and I looked at these buddies of mine, I'm like, Dude, these guys are smarter than me. They could be winning Nobel Prizes too if they weren't spending all their time playing video games, right? Well, it does actually tie into what I was describing way, way back when, you know, three and a half, four-year-old me was seeing these arcade cabinets at the mall. These games, you know, by design are intended to really get you hooked in, to make you want to just keep playing. And you know those early games right. were just to make you want to put in one more quarter, one more quarter. Uh, I think right. the modern equivalent of these games that just make you want to play just a little bit longer, a little bit longer, right. one more round. I mean, so that's two strikes against games. Mm -hmm. Then I started working as a family doctor, right? So now I start to see people bringing their kids in or coming and talking to, talking to me about their children's problems, right? <sighs> My child plays video games for eight hours a day. I can't stop him. He throws a fit when we try to take away his system, right? right. My child's bombing out of school. He's addicted to games. Like I, and then I start reading in like the medical literature. There's a new definition. There's a new illness now. It's called video game addiction. This didn't exist when we were kids, right? It didn't exist because our parents wouldn't give us the 25 cents. But now the parents are giving you the money and now kids are getting hooked it's it's like it's like they're doing drugs right <laughs> so i don't know like so now i'm like as a parent i'm like super paranoid i'm like okay that's it no games we're not gonna have any games dad does not even have games right <laughs> dad dad downloads a game on his android he immediately deletes it after playing it one time because he doesn't want anyone else to find that it's there right <laughs> like that's that's the life of the parent now yeah oh well i mean uh I mean, all those are valid points. You know, th those are all real problems about video games. It's not a, really a matter of saying like, oh, but for each of those things, I can, I can convince you those aren't true. <laughs> those are all real things that people got to consider about video games. Right. I guess it's, a, it's an extension of the idea of just, uh, I mean, the first point you raised about how video games are a waste of time. Um, you know, like all the idle things that we do, like when we're kids, are theoretically a waste of time. 
Um, right. So, you know, if you think of all the time spent playing with G.I. Joe or Transformers, uh, is that time better spent than time playing with video games? Um, right. So, I mean, if we're just starting to take it from the point of view that, well, no, like every moment not learning math or, uh, you know, training your body like a like Batman is wasted <laughs> time. Then, yeah, like video games should be out along with a bunch of other things. I think I think to that point, that's the weakest of the arguments, because, yeah, we, all of us need to waste time sometimes. Right. Like so I'm sometimes I'm doing work and then I'm podcasting like I just need a break. Right. And now we're adults. It's OK. We just turn on a TV. We veg for a bit. Right. Yeah. And some people just turn on some games. They play for a couple hours and it's just relaxing. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. So if you can control it and your child can manage it and they just play a bit for fun. Great. But you see all these horror stories where it turns into like this slippery slope. Right. Like the Nintendo comes in the door. Next thing you know, now you're shelling out for cartridges. Now now you're shelling out for the next system. Right. Now the kids whining. Like I already see with my kids the level of whining that they do to get something that they don't have that they want. Yeah. And. And lately, like in our house, it's the camera. Like my son is obsessed with cameras. He wants a camera, right? And he's been fussing. And my wife caved in and bought him a camera on Amazon, right? We said, this is your birthday present for this year. $30 kitty camera. It comes for one day. He's super happy kid. Yeah. Gives me the camera. I try to charge it. And I see, oh, the charging connector has broken already on day one. Yeah. Right? I'm like, man, what is this stuff we're buying? So then we had to like, I had to, I had to delete the photos, save them on my phone, return the camera. Yeah. And now he's like, where's my camera? I'm like, it broke. And now he's super upset. Now he wants another camera. So now he's like moping around the house, demanding a camera. Right. Yesterday he woke up at like seven o'clock, an hour earlier than usual yeah. because he wanted the camera. Right. So then he spends the whole morning in this like sleepy haze of rage because he doesn't have a camera. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, this is exactly what will happen if we get him a video game, right? If I get him a video game system and he knows it's sitting around the house, I don't know how your dad was able to control it so that you guys didn't like tear the house apart looking for this thing, right? But like, I know that if I buy this thing, this is just going to start to lead to more and more issues. Like it's already bad enough with YouTube when they're begging me to put on the show that they want. Well, that that that's definitely one of the strategies that my dad had way back when it was like, when I was sort of your son's age and we had an Atari was the idea that Atari does not belong to the kids. This Atari is a, a thing that belongs to dad. This is an adult's thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're lucky that as a kid, sometimes you get to use your dad's thing, uh, but it's mine. <laughs> and so when I'm not around, it's not out. And there's no point in asking mom if you can play with it because it would be like asking mom if you could take the car out for a spin when dad's not around. <laughs> it's dad's. <laughs> Right. So you have no choice but to thieve it at that point. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, at your son's age, if he's actually sneaky enough to like sneak in there and <laughs> set it up, maybe you've got other issues. Right, right. But uh, I mean, this, that, so that's the same approach that we, had, we have here at my house. Um, like we have a, uh, a PlayStation 3 and, uh, and a Wii. I think those are the first two video game systems that came in the house when we had like during the time when we actually had kids. And both mm -hmm. of those things are mine. They, they belong to dad. <laughs> um, so the kids uh, have been able to use them, but there was no sort of thing of them think, thinking like, it's mine. Uh, and so my parents are taking away my thing from me. Uh, so it's, it's always a privilege to use it. It's never 
like sort of are right because they own it. So right. That, that helps mitigate that. But you know, when you were describing about how your son got the camera, where I thought you were going with that story was that he wanted the camera, he begged for it, and then when he got it, like it didn't work, it didn't live up to expectations, and he got like bored of it within a few days. But it's like, <laughs> is that that's not what happened? Though I take it, it didn't need last long enough to get to that point. <laughs> right. But I think this is part of the reason why uh, you'd sort of be like, well, why would parents ever get their kids video games in the first place? I think part of it is this that you have so many toys that you buy your kids that like later you're sort of like, ah, they wanted it so badly, and I spent the money and went through the trouble to find this toy, and now it just kills me that like they played with it for a day. And now they're not excited about it anymore. Uh, and then, then people clue into the idea that you get your kid this video game, and yeah, like th- three days later, they still care about it. You know, like <laughs> a week later, they're still playing this thing, and you feel like I'm the greatest parent in the world. I got them a gift they love. Uh, and then it's only later when you're like, well, wait a minute. Now I've created a monster. Like I can't put this genie back in the bottle. They want to play it all the time. Right. So. That, I think the biggest fear is the third one, right? Which is that now we see in this day and age, there are kids who really are hooked on games and it starts to affect their schooling. It affects their socialization ability, right? I have a whole bunch of patients that I have or, fa- or family members of patients that I've heard of who come and ask for advice. Like, you know, someone in our family is in the room all day playing computer. I can't get them out. They're like 18 or 25 years old or yeah. something, right? This is a real phenomenon in the world. And that is the most frightening part, I think, as a parent, where that, that you could get so addicted to it that it replaces normal life, right? Yeah. And when you hear stories like this, it's like, wow, like we, there's the, the potential cons really offset the potential benefits of gaming, that little bit of relaxation or whatever. Just watch a movie, right? Like I, I'm happy to give you a movie to watch. Well, I mean, I've, I've encountered a few interesting cases of, of kids who had a bit of an issue of video games who actually somehow ended up in the emergency department. Uh, mm-hmm. Not because they actually had a video game related emergency that they, they come in with some kind of deadly thumb gangrene from too much video game. <laughs> but they came in and then while they were in for whatever problem brought them in, something else came up or they kind of came in under the auspices of another problem and then you realize that actually they're there because they're so desperate about their kids' video gaming that they've come to the emerge out of desperation. Right. But at any rate, in my experience with those, uh, I haven't had it yet where the family is describing a child who was extremely well-rounded, uh, had plenty of time with the parents, where the parents like, oh yeah, I spend time with my kids. We go out, we do all this stuff together. Um, and then, uh, you know, we used to have very limited screen time. We used to have a lot of sports, a lot of outdoor time. Then we brought this video game system into the house and then it all just fell apart and then they became addicted to video games. <laughs> that, uh, that doesn't really seem to be the stories that I'm, that I'm hearing. Right. Right. So there's other problems, and the and the video games is just another symptom of a larger problem, probably. Yeah. Although, I mean, to be fair to these families, I think you do have a bit of a problem where maybe the kids aren't aren't getting enough like attention, or well, aren't get, spending enough time with their with their other family members, and aren't just getting enough time outdoors. And mm-hmm. you know, if it was just access to Netflix, it would be a problem. But then. The video games came in and added a like another variable that was very different than anything people were expecting. So mm. like, I'm not trying to say that. Uh, well, I'm, I am trying to say that it's not just that video games instantly turned people into monsters. But uh, to be fair to these families, there is something unique about video games and the way they're designed to kind of hook people in. Right. 
So given all that, like I'm on the stance of as of this moment, I'm opposed to video games in the house. Although I kind of wouldn't mind having some that we could play for fun, right? If it could be easily managed, yeah. right? So what is your take as a parent on how you deal with games with your children now? Um, well, <laughs> uh, we, we should start by uh, maybe some of these positives of video games. You know, because <laughs> the two classics that kids were saying when they were, when I, when I was a kid, was, you know, oh, Bob, I need a Nintendo because it helps, it'll help me to learn to read better. Because <laughs> a lot of these games have text, you know, and I'll learn how to read The Princesses in Another Castle by, by having video games. So it can help you to read. And then the other classic is, um, well, it improves hand-eye coordination. Right, right. <laughs> because before video games, we were in real danger of us having a society where people's eye-hand coordination was terrible. <laughs> People are just stumbling around, bumping in the walls before video games came along. That's right. Can't manipulate a Rubik's cube. Can't hold a pencil. You know, can't turn a can't turn a key in a lock because I just don't have the eye hand coordination. <laughs> Donkey Kong saved us from all that. Uh, but yeah, uh, so now that I've established from those two compelling arguments that kids need video games, <laughs> I can tell you about the, the approach that we had in my house. So. Uh, uh, I think my son was the first of my kids to really take a real interest in, in video games. And maybe there's some gender bias that because he was a son, I was maybe more compelled to try to get him to play with me with video games or something. Or maybe it was just mm -hmm. like genetic, I don't know. But when I think back to my son, uh, there was first the stage where I would say like, okay, let me like boot up this game. Uh, and this was, uh, we, at this point I had a Wii U. This was the the Nintendo device that came in between the Wii and the current device, which is the Switch. Right. Uh, anyway, with this Wii U, it's like it's a console. You hook it up and the kids can watch it play on a screen. Um, and it started with me playing this game called uh, Super Mario 3D Land, I think it was called. Anyway, my son would be able to watch me play this game. And he was just fascinated by like the bright colors, the music, and the fact that I could control this character. And he was quite happy to watch and, you know, I'd give him the controller and say, you try it. And he'd get a bit of a kick out of pushing the button and seeing the character move and react. But uh, like he hated the fact that then the character would die. So very quickly, he'd be like, oh, you play, you play. I'll watch, I'll watch. And um, this one, he was really small. <laughs> and then, uh, then it kind of progressed to a point where uh, I could give him the second controller and our two characters could play together in the game. Because it's a game where both our characters would be on screen trying to work towards a cooperative goal. Um, and... Uh, this particular game, uh, if his character was like getting in the way or in danger or something like that, he could always push a button. His character would pop into a little bubble, float around safely. Uh, I could get through the hard part of the game and he could press the button. His character pops out of the bu bubble and he feels like, like, yeah, I'm still part of this. Uh, like what you were <laughs> describing when, you, when your friend would beat Double Dragon and you'd be like player two in the corner. Uh, but anyway, uh, then it progressed to the stage where like his character and my character actually played like quite well together where he, he wasn't just being dragged along by me, but we were, he was contributing. Uh, and right. we like, and we had a couple of these games that we, we started together, we played together and we beat the game together. And it was this great feeling of accomplishment that we did together. Um, <laughs> then it started to get to this stage where he could start the game uh, and start the console and start everything in the TV up and everything and didn't really need me to be there anymore. Like he could play without me there helping him. Um, mm -hmm. And then like 
very shortly after that, where it was like, well, now he could get up and he could just play on his own, that I was like, oh, whoa, here's where there's starting to be like an obvious potential for problems. Where, mm. you know, before it was like something that he had to do with me. And I think we got great value out of the fact that it was a, a, a an activity together, like a bonding activity together. N- not to say that playing outside together wouldn't also be <laughs> valuable, but, uh, you know, this was something that we both could enjoy together. And I, this this sounds a little like one of these like jilted lover stories, right? <laughs> like if you if you're not gonna go to that fancy restaurant with me, then you should not go at all. Right? That's where you realize that the girl is just using you for those fancy dinners. <laughs> <laughs> then she wins the lottery and she can take herself out to dinner and just need you. Right. Well, definitely it was one of these things where I could I could tout the value of the thing as an actual like bonding experience. Um, and a way to build like a, a relationship between you and your kid. And you have to remember, mm-hmm. like when your kid is four or five years old, um, other things you might play with them, like you could play Hot Wheels with them, you could play action figures with them, but it's not always that fun, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have, you're trying to play something and all they want to do is smash their car into your car or smash their action figure into your action figure. You try to make some kind of narrative to say, this is what's going on, and they may just like... <laughs> have none of that and (laughs) so it's not always fun i I think it's a funny thing on the simpsons where homer's doing lego with lisa um and he's saying to her like what we're actually having fun together and she's like what do you mean he's like oh this is fun not like all those other times when we play other games together and i have to pretend like we're having fun (laughs) so video games is a lot like that where you're like well i'm actually enjoying myself too um Mm. and you know to back that up there is actual literature um, that has demonstrated that video games can actually help foster like a relationship between, you know, a parent and a child or between ch- siblings playing, playing with each other, that they can actually mm-hmm. have a positive effect in that way, right. um, you know, with the right game. But anyway, uh, once they get to the point where they can do it on their own and it's that fun and they're no longer driven to do it because they're enjoying doing it with you and they're just doing it on their own, that's where I very quickly had to start putting limits. I had to start saying like, look, you're not allowed to turn that on when I'm not here. Or look, you're not allowed to do that on weekdays. And you're allowed to do this on weekend for, you know, like a set amount of time. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what we've continued with ever, ever since we reached that stage. You know, is, mm-hmm. is us saying, well, there's a clear understanding in the household about, no, that's not something you just go and, and do on your own the way you might go and get a drink of water from the fridge on your own. This right. is something that you have to have permission to do it in this, in this time um, and that setting of limits of how long they can do it for. So one question that I have when you tell that story is how old was he when he got to that point where he could do it on his own and it became a, a thing in your mind that you had to worry about? It? Uh, I want to say it was around age five, five to six something around there <laughs> that's like super young so you had like six months where it was a good bonding activity and then you had to put a stop no, to we it. started this thing when he was like three and a half <laughs> so we had from three and a half until like five and a half coming up six that okay yeah. interesting yeah and then the so at at that age he you're setting the limits so the second question is what limits did you set like what is a time period at his current age that you're comfortable with him spending on the system and does he push back when you get to that time limit? Uh, he's pretty good about when I say, like, it's time to stop, it's time to stop. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like a lot of other, you know, like luxury things like th- that involve a screen. Um, you know, I, I'll set, say, okay, an hour is definitely, that's enough. Now it's time for us to do, like, 
go play outside or do something else. But mm-hmm. um, but if it's a day where okay, I got to do a bunch of uh, like Zoom meets or something uh, on a Saturday, uh, or you know I've got some other thing that I'm doing, it's very easy to be like, oh, you know what, he's doing that and he's quiet and he's not fighting with his sisters or something like that. And then right. next thing you know, you're like, oh gosh, I didn't mean to leave you there for two hours, but but there you go, you just mm-hmm. had two hours. But then. When, he, when the sort of idea is that he knows that he's only usually doing it for about an hour, then those times where he's doing it for two hours, he knows he's getting away with something uh, as opposed to that he feels <laughs> entitled that like, oh, it's always going to be two hours. Right. Okay. So, I mean, that seems like a relatively balanced approach to like managing gaming with your, with, with your son. Have you had similar success with your other kids or are they not that interested? Uh, similar success with the other kids. Um, uh, the oldest one is is really just not interested. Uh, and it mm-hmm. might have something to do with the fact that, you know, by the time her brother came on and really had the skill for it, her playing with him often feels like, you know, like I don't like doing this activity that I'm not as good at as you know everybody <laughs> else. It's just not that interesting. But um, the, uh, the third kid, her and my son, uh, over the last like few months, have really come together over this game Minecraft. Okay. So Minecraft is a game where it's kind of like having digital Lego. Your character uh, gets all these different types of blocks, and then they can stack them together to make houses uh, or castles or whatever else. And then there's this other aspect to it where they can, um, say, find a tree. Their character can essentially knock down the tree and then turn it into a specific type of block. And then there's combinations for kids to figure out that, like, oh, wait, if I put this block and this block together... Um, and then like maybe add a special rock to it, it turns into uh, a ghost or, a, mm-hmm. or whatever, an animal or a, a golem or something. Anyway, uh, uh, my, my, what I find is my daughters love these games where you sort of are more like building, creating, as opposed to games where you're like fighting monsters in this. And mm-hmm. uh, um, this game, you can play it two people at the same time, where my son and my daughter are in the same sort of connected world, but with their camera angles showing different sides of it and having different characters mm-hmm. building something together. And uh, yeah, I was actually like pretty amazed to see that girl who normally is not actually that much one for spending a lot of time in front of the TV compared to the others. Uh, but cooperating with him, like he's coaching her and telling her like, oh yeah, you're doing this good job. <laughs> and uh, right. yeah, so I have to say, sometimes I see them doing that and I know they've been on it for more than an hour, and I'm just kind of ignoring it uh, because they're just getting along so well together. Mm-hmm. So another plug for how video games in the right context can actually help build relationships. Right, right. Uh, but to answer your question directly, uh, I, I, it's the same rules apply for the, for the girls. As a pediatrician then, or as a doctor yeah. or a dad, what would you tell parents who are asking what are the time limits they should set, right? Like what's a reasonable time limit? You think like we there are some guidelines about screen time and they're pretty vague, right? And screen time is like the sum of video game time plus all these other times, yeah. TV and all this stuff added together. Like, what's a just give us some ballpark in your head? Like, this is not scientific, but what would you say to a parent? Like, what's an amount of time that a kid could spend in front of a screen, and the parent can still feel okay about themselves? Because <laughs> you have to really think about video games as being candy. Right. Like, you know, when somebody's like, well, what's the recommended amount of candy? It's like, well, hold on. There's no amount of candy that is necessary. 
Um, and yeah, candy has many benefits. Many people have uh, nostalgic bonding memories of Werther's originals. Right? <laughs> so the commercials would have us believe. But, the, but you don't I, need it. I challenge you to name many benefits of candy. I, <laughs> You're really stretching it with this nostalgia <laughs> business with candy. Candies are, I mean, what, what would Halloween be without candy? Well, I, I guess I'm saying it's the person who doesn't believe in Halloween, but that's a whole other, whole other podcast. But what, what's Christmas without candy canes, I guess? Or an advent calendar without bits of chocolate? Or the Easter bunny without chocolates? You know, like, okay, fine. Let, let's, let's not use candy. Let's use ice cream. The, the, we'll speak a language I can understand. We'll use ice cream as an example. All right. You're right. It's the exact same analogy, but for your benefit, we'll, we'll use ice cream. So, yeah, there's no amount of ice cream you need. But ice cream is a pleasurable thing that's fun, right? So it's a lot right. like asking how much ice cream is too much ice cream. So just ballparking it, I would say um, a good rule would be essentially no video games throughout the week. And then, you know, one to two hours per day on the weekend at most, mm. you know. And, and if you start finding yourself that, yeah, every weekend we're always spending two hours every Saturday, every Sunday, then you really should be saying like, you know, maybe we should be looking for other things to do on the weekend. You know, mm -hmm. if there's always two hours to spare where my kid can play that and they, and I don't need them and they don't need me. Like maybe we should be doing something. Mm -hmm. okay. And I, I do actually would maybe, ex there's maybe more room for a little bit more time, even say during the week in the context of if the video game is something you're doing with the kids, as opposed to they're mm -hmm. playing it on their own for sure. It, this is just the amount of time they take out this like system, the PlayStation you have right. to use. Like what, it, like do they play, do your kids play games on like their phone or like the phones lying around the house or the iPad lying around the house. Like, does that count as part of this? No, time limit? at my house, we don't, we don't do that. Um, okay. I mean, you know, uh, something like uh, stuck at an airport, which hasn't been a problem lately, but uh, you know, <laughs> things like that, then you may put a game on the phone for them to play or right. that thing. Um, or like, yeah, like a, like a, a scenario where, I don't know, like, one kid comes in crying or something like that because the other kids mm -hmm. hurt them and you want to like de-escalate them. Maybe five minutes of, of doing like palace pets where the kids decorate a <laughs> Disney pet. But for the most part, uh, I feel like those the type of things that you would play on an iPad and that are, are specifically designed to be much more like a like a casino, much more of like click until yeah, you have to want to pass the time. Yeah, I, th I feel like those are different than these console games that are at least designed to be like a complete experience, you know? Mm. So, so then let's just say hypothetically, if, if I want to get a system and buy some games yeah. that would be good for my children, right. And that could have some of this bonding and this creativeness and, and they could learn to read and, <laughs> and also improve their hand eye coordination all at <laughs> once. It. What are some games that you think are good? Like Minecraft, I guess is one that you've seen the upside. Are there any other games out there that, that, you think work well? Um, so when you look for a game, look for games that have, uh, you know, multiple players who can play at the same time in the same room. So mm. a lot of the Mario games are good for that. But uh, the one I mentioned before, Super Mario Land 3D, is particularly good because like when, the, when all the characters are on the screen, it tends to, like... Uh, they tend to work well together as opposed to some some mm -hmm. games you get too many characters on the screen and they get in each other's way you know one character stole the other character's magic mushroom or whatever mm -hmm. or power up and then before you know it people are fighting but mm -hmm. um uh, that game is good uh the wii sports games or the equivalent of the wii sports games on the switch uh these are pretty good 
So like mm-hmm. uh, games where you go bowling, for example, and you like, right. swing the controller to go bowling. There's uh, some, uh, at least some uh, evidence in the literature for these physically active games uh, that they actually can have some health benefit in terms of making kids active. So mm-hmm. the Just Dance games, that's a, that's a great game. Uh, girls and boys love it, where there's a character on the screen dancing to music, and usually it's popular songs that the kids would know. And then the kids right. try to mimic the dance moves, and if they can stay in rhythm, then like they kind of get points for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Those type of games are all are all like recommendations I'd make. Okay, great. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I've had this idea for a long time that I should, ju- as an adult, I just want to get a system, a console, yeah. right, and play some games once in a while. Yeah. It goes back all the way to this problem I had as a kid where I didn't have my own console, <laughs> right? <laughs> And I've had, I've bought some consoles at various points in my life, but I've never, I'm not a huge spender. So I buy a few games and I, you know, I won't spend a ton of time on it. A lot of times for myself, I'll be like, you know, I'll notice that I'm spending too much time and I'll just stop. But now with the children, I'm like really reluctant to introduce this new Pandora's box into the house if we don't have to. But you know what? Sometimes I'm just thinking about like, you know, you play these just shoot 'em up games, shoot 'em up for like 15 minutes. Sometimes that's what you need after a long day at the office. What you need for you specifically, Dr. Shu, you need to get a Nintendo Switch. You need to get a Nintendo Switch. I'll tell you why. Because uh, uh, it's got a lot more games that are geared towards kids. I mean, that's what Nintendo is all about, right? Is games that are more right. childlike. Um, but on top of that, uh, with a Nintendo Switch, for a very low cost, you can get access to all these classic Nintendo games that you missed out <laughs> on when, when you were a kid. And I have to say, I've got one of these um, NES classics. This is like the little miniature. Uh, have you heard of this thing? No, I've not. Oh, wait. It's the it's the USB Nintendo, right? It just plugs into your TV. That's right. It plugs into your TV. It's, 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 it's a little smaller than the original the, one. The box itself is smaller. The controllers are the same size. It's a pure nostalgia machine for people who would remember these games when they were a kid. Um, right. But especially since you have a big gap between when you played those games back then and now. It's not like you've been playing these virtual reality 3D games that are going to make you like scoff at these old graphics. And yeah, right. uh, have, I had I got one of these things. I went back and I played a game that was super famous when I was a kid that I never actually played, which was the original uh, Legend of Zelda. And oh, yes. I have to say, sitting there playing that thing, I actually had a moment where I'm like, I feel that same sense of thrill, like fun, that I re- remember having when I was a kid. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I feel like I'm a kid. <laughs> Your wife is like, go to bed already. <laughs> well, yeah, balancing having a game system for yourself and like family life is a whole uh, is a whole other thing. Uh, wait, wait. So you're advocating the Nintendo Switch or this this classic I, console? I'm saying the Nintendo Switch because with the Switch you can access all the games that are on this NES Classic console plus more. Um, okay. Uh, plus all the games from the Super Nintendo era and whatnot. So uh, and and the modern games, uh, a lot of them are similar. Like, uh, will evoke a similar feeling for you. So I think for you in particular, mm. you should get a, uh, <laughs> a, a Nintendo Switch. Well, that was the question of the day. I didn't even ask it, but that's really the question underlying this entire episode. And I'm glad it's been answered. <laughs> but uh, you know, talking about video game and addiction and the dark side and the things we don't want to see for our kids. Uh, I've had this 
uh, this isn't a single patient I had. This is more than one patient I've had where the parents' actual issue, what brought them to the emergency department was they have this kid who has become so good at a particular online game, like, uh, you know, uh, for example, uh, something's like, say, Fortnite. Uh, the game mm-hmm. that they, they were talking about wasn't Fortnite. It was one of these first-person shooters, but you know, same idea type thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the complaint is that the kid has now sp- spent so much time on this game they become very good at this game. They have chats with other people online on this game. Some other person online who plays this game like, like to a tremendous degree has now told the kid, hey, you've got talent. You potentially have what it takes to play professionally. And now their kid, who's like halfway through high school, is has it in their mind that I'm going to be a professional video game player. And <laughs> it's become a problem because like the kid has actually reached the point where they're like, no, I, I'm serious about this now. And like my schoolwork is now just getting in the way of my of my career in video games. Right. And now the right. parents are coming to me like, what do I what do I do? Uh, because my kid has a mental health disorder because they believe that that they're going to play games professionally. It's like, <laughs> actually, you know, at this point, this is no different than having a student or a, a kid who's determined they're going to be an actor in Hollywood. You know, like the, the problem <laughs> there is that lots of people want to do it and think they can. Uh, right and just like aren't likely going to do it but uh, for every you know hundred of those there's one person who actually like is going to drop out of high school focus on their acting career and then make it big and then later going to be like oh well i did what i had to do (laughs) so (laughs) those people my my thing to them is i mean my thought with them is that you know this problem started way before the the moment we're in now like the fact that your kid got good enough, like the, your kid had enough time to play unfettered <laughs> to get good enough to think they can play professionally, like that, uh, that speaks to the real problem here. It wouldn't have been a problem if they were playing the piano all that time. That's basically <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> that's right. That, that was the point of that story. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's more I, than one person I've had this, this encounter with. Well, it's it's because video games have this negative connotation, right? right? Like if your child is a really good tennis player, suddenly the parents like, okay, son, you're dropping out of school. I'm taking you to the tournaments, <laughs> right. right? But if your son is really good at video games, you have this image that he's going to be sitting in this dark room and really skinny and hunched over for the rest of his life, right? Like yeah. it's just not a good mental image. And it's probably not fair to like video gaming as a whole, right? right. Like, like, like we look at, the worst case scenarios we see the the addicts and the you know the people who've dropped out of school because they're gaming right? right the majority of people have a little bit of fun playing games they nag their parents a bit when they want to keep the console on longer than they should yeah. but the majority of people are able to manage it right right so i think that's probably you know where we have to balance it and say you know let's just if, as long as we're not going way over the line there are some positives to it yeah that's right. Just because some people are obese doesn't mean that the rest of us can eat ice cream from time to time. <laughs> or can or candy. Yeah, or candy. Or candy. From time to time. <laughs> well, happy gaming, folks. And uh, uh, we'll have another like, uh, run at this topic in about another 10 years time where I'll be able to tell you how my son turned out. Well, I think actually because we've sort of talked about this topic from the standpoint of children playing games, right? Yeah. And children playing games at, you know, before age 10 or before age 12 is one thing, but much easier for the parent to manage, right? Because 
you you can control which games come into your house. You can probably pick the games that don't allow the players to go multiplayer online. Right. And you you can deliberately pick the games that aren't super photorealistic and there's not people running around with like machine guns and like machetes that are bloody. Yeah. But the games for the older kids that I'm sure your son will start to be interested in, you know, a few years from now are all like that, right? And the PlayStation 4, like these games are nuts, right? They're super realistic looking. And I remember as a kid, like for, for as a kid, we had this whole thing where we didn't even care about the game. Like we just wanted the graphics, right? <laughs> never mind that. Never mind that the graphics of any game was inferior to a movie. Like we were just obsessed with graphics, and we would, as kids, talk about how, oh, that game sucks, but the graphics are amazing, so we gotta play yeah. that, right? Like it makes no sense, right? It's like I want to drive a car that just looks nice but can't move, right? But that's part of what video gaming is like, and I feel like that's the scarier part. Like we haven't really seen the scary part because the kids are small. And I think you're right because the problem starts at this point. And if you don't get a handle on it, it'll just spiral into the later part. But there is a bit of a difference. Yeah, it's true. I, I have purposely not uh, uh, put my son like in front of any games or myself even played any games where there's an online like chat feature enabled. Like, mm. I've never played a game uh, since I've had kids where you know I'd be playing with a headset in my ear, uh, talking to other people. <laughs> Um, right. Like, and my kids have certainly never played a game where they're online, where they can actually have a conversation with strangers. Right. Now we just sound like fogies That's again. Right. <laughs> just to remind you people, we are dads. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the difference between cool dads and uncool dads. <laughs> between cool dads and medical dads. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I think we've covered everything that we wanted to talk about for tonight and more. And Endless. I've had a good time. I've had a good time going over our, the history of our video gaming stories. And hopefully that stuff helps parents as they're trying to navigate how to set limits with their kids or whether they should have games or what games to play. I'm sure there'll be more for us to talk about in the years to come. Yeah, we'll, we'll maybe come back to this topic in some way, shape or form sometime further down the road. But I think we've given people a, a good primer for now. All right. Well, on that note, hope everyone has a good week. Hope everyone takes some time to get outside, away from the video game consoles, get some fresh air, de-stress, and we'll see you all in a week's time. That's right. We hope you beat your high score. Game over. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>